Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone and welcome to Battles. I'm your host Marlon Anderson. This is a podcast all about journeys and overcoming adversity. I truly believe that every battle we face makes us stronger. And I want to hear from other people who believe that too. In this series, I'll speak to everyone from actors and entertainers to motivational speakers, life coaches and beyond. From those in the limelight to those of extraordinary stories that haven't been heard, all journeys are important. We'll hear about battles they have overcome and battles they are still fighting, learning how we get through them and asking how they can make us who we are today. We'll also be finding out our guests' battle cry, their mantra to get them through the dark days. Battles is a podcast for everyone because everyone has battles to face. I hope you find lots of help and advice in these episodes and feel strong knowing that you can get through it too. Today's episode is a chat with Daniela Westbrook. For those of you who don't know Daniela, she's an actress and activist who became a household name during the 90s playing Sam Mitchell on EastEnders. Daniela Fast became a tabloid favourite with her high-profile relationships and public knowledge of her drug addiction and has been on a very public journey ever since. I wanted to speak to Daniela about her journey from her childhood in Essex to where she is today. Before we start, I do want to let you know that this episode contains references throughout to sexual abuse, depression and drug abuse. If you've been affected by these issues in the past, then please listen on with caution or skip this episode and listen to one of the others. I've put links to places where you can get support in the episode description, so please reach out if you've been affected. I'm really grateful for Daniela sharing her story. I hope you enjoy getting to know more about the real Daniela as much as I did. Hey everybody, today on Battles I have the amazing actress and mental health campaigner Daniela Westbrook. Daniela, thank you so much for joining me today. As you know, this podcast is about battles and journeys that we all go through and how you can help other people with what you've endured. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, Melon. How have you been? What have you been up to? How's lockdown been? Uh, Do you know what? Lockdown, I love lockdown because being a complete bipolar person, um, everybody knows I suffer with that. uh, It sort of gets me in a good place because it makes me meditate more. It makes me do more self-help stuff. I think with lockdown, you can either take it one way or the other. You can either, either, if I wake up in a bad mood, you know, I can let my depression and my my, um, mental health problems really run my life. Yeah. And they literally can wake me up in the morning. They could be tapping on my shoulder. I know it sounds ridiculous, but they can. They can like sort of like wake me up and go, come on, wake up. We're going to have a really good day today. You're going to be really depressed. I'm going to get you really screwed up today. You know, and it really can take me to a bad place. So if I don't keep my my own head in a, in a clean place, not just my body being clean and sober, but my brain yeah. being clean and sober. Um, you know, if I don't go to bed on the right note, and I'd always go to bed, you know, I do my affirmations before I go to bed. I do, oh. it sounds ridiculous, but I have to do that stuff, and it's what keeps me well. Um, 
if I don't go to bed in a good place and don't go to bed with a bedtime meditation type thing on, like my music, the high frequency, change frequency of where I am and stuff, then, you know, I wake up in a really bad mood. Yeah. And this I is so like weird. Before, you know, having a great dinner with friends, like outside of the lockdown, having a great dinner with friends in a lovely evening or a great time with my family, gone to bed, forgot about my evening stuff that I do, my rituals, as I like to call them. Yeah. What I do. Um, and I'll wake up horrific. And, you Interesting know, and the that is. Yeah. Type, you know, differences are huge. Because that sounds so similar to me. I know that I live alone, right? And I have this routine, as you say, these rituals that I do. I wake up every morning. I have to meditate straight away. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, my head isn't empty or cleared. And before I go to bed, I play bloody affirmations on loud on loudspeaker. It's good, isn't it? The frequency music, yeah, yeah it really it. I helps it me. Time, but I have to have it out there. Hey, Bobby, my dog's just come in. <laughs> um, but no, I have to have it out there. Like if I'm home alone in the house, I will have it on the big TV. Wow. But I'll have music on the big TV, like just like it might be like a half an hour or a 10 minute or depending on what I'm doing. Even if I'm just standing down the island, I can put it on the big TV and I'll have affirmations on that like, to keep your, your frequency levels high, to be in a yeah. good place. Because my brain is, and especially due to my recent relapse, when you have just over a year sober and clean now. So, yeah, due to that, I think I need certain things in place. It's like my yeah. armoury. It's like yeah. an armoury to save me because my mental health is actually worse than my addiction. Yeah. A lot of, you know, and the addiction just goes hands in hand with the mental health. Yeah, 100%. I know you know, I mean, for me, it was definitely my mental health that took me to addiction. But, it, you know, that's something we can come on to at a later, yeah. later on. But for me, that's definitely something I need. I need certain things in place in my life so, that keep me where I should be. Yeah. So obviously, as you know, this podcast is about helping and inspiring other people. And I follow you on Twitter and I see you always raising awareness for topics that you believe in. So whether it's bullying, it's anti-bullying week at the minute. And I saw something in the press this morning on Gogglebox and I saw your tweets and my heart just felt for you because you being in the public eye, already vulnerable, already been through a lot. I don't understand how people can still be like that. The trolling and the bullying especially on you, Daniela, with you having mental health and suffering with addiction, right? These people don't understand the consequences. And I think mm-hmm. it's a lot more severe than people realise, like a quick comment or a trolling comment. They think, oh, it's, it's fine, you know, it's not going to affect them. People listening to this need to understand that bullying yeah, yeah. and trolling is is awful and it should not be happening at all. There have been so many suicides yeah. in the press and the suicide rates are up due to covid it's, it's disgusting and I can't comprehend and I'm so and glad that I've got you on to speak really about it. Very sad? But isn't it really very sad that we only hear about the suicide of famous people? A hundred percent. We don't hear about the suicide of people in everyday life. Children yep. are under pressure that get bullied at school that take their own lives. People yep. in the workplace, people that are divorced, people, you know, this lockdown has shown me so much and opened yeah. my eyes so much to my local community. Yeah. in general, not just like, just to the community that I live in, not just to the press and to the public and to people that are famous. You know, there's people on our doorstep that are suffering and we don't yeah. even know to reach out to them. And that to me makes me want to cry because it's just, it's the saddest thing. You know, there's elderly people out there contemplating suicide because they yeah. suddenly have mental health issues that they've never had all their life and they feel yeah. weak. Not only just because they're old, but because they're mentally not, you know, it might be something small, like they might get out every day to the shops to get their loaf and something like that. I'm talking about people like my grandparents' age. But just to see another human being, that might be the only person they talk to all, all through the week is the person yeah. they buy their paper from. 
you know, and that yeah, 100%. And they're too frightened to go out of the house and then they're not getting any contact with another human being. Mental health suffers and before you know it, you know, I've seen, I saw something on TV a while back, I think it was the BBC that covered it and it was, it was of people talking, going around and talking to people in lockdown and one was a little old lady in, in, a, in quite a remote village and she said, I've actually thought about killing myself and I was like, wow. You know, she said, well, I don't see anybody. And, you know, my village is, is silent because of the lockdown. She said, my neighbours have been so good to me. She said, but my nearest neighbours are 15-minute walk away. And I thought, God bless this little lady. You know, I thank God for organisations that have come together yeah. and that are out there and charities. I mean, we really do nearly... If, I, if you're watching this and you're looking for a charity to support, support something locally. Yeah, a million percent. You don't percent. mean that rudely. I'm not saying don't support, like, you know, Marrakech and... Yeah. All the big charities, of course, support whoever you want, but try and support your local communities that are doing food banks or reaching out to people yeah. with mental health. And there's so many people just in your local community, and the more remote you are, the worse it can be. Um, and obviously, and do you know what? Just as bad if you're in a big place like the city of London, Birmingham, Liverpool, anywhere like that, living in a city is just as lonely for people because yeah, they can live in a block and never see their neighbours. And not know their neighbours. So, you know, we just really need to help each other out a little bit more. Kindness is 100%, Daniela. Thank you so much for raising awareness on that. Now, I want to I want to go back a little bit. I want to take you way back okay. to, like, your childhood. I want to go back because I always, uh-huh. I'm a huge believer in childhood has a massive impact on your adult life and how you become oh, an adult. Does. Yeah, yeah, I've had childhood trauma. I remember when my mum got sick with uh, breast cancer. I was only about six, That's and true. her leaving me at night on my own. That I'm now. I hate being alone at night. So a lot of things yeah. happened to I me. Live alone. Come, yeah, and a lot of things that happened to me as a kid, it comes through when you're old, and you have to kind of work on yourself as an adult. Of and course. you have to undo everything that happened to you as a kid. So I want you to just tell tell everybody that's listening your story from taking it back to when you were a child and how you were like and how your childhood was like and how, how you are the person you are today. So um, like, what was your upbringing like? I started like? in this industry when I was very young, at seven years old. Wow. And I, always, I was always a very um, outgoing kid. You know, and I come from my nan's side of the family, all travellers, all travellers. Um a gypsy background and then my mum's side of the family aren't um but you know my nan was the first one of her generation to move into a house and have normal like not a normal family but you know we didn't live on caravans back then but we traveled we we still visited everybody a lot and I love that life man. yeah um so yeah it's in my bones it's in, I'm a gypsy soul so it's in my heart um and and I went off into television at the age of seven my mum worked um for the playboy bunnies up there in, in the casino and that in London and the Balbon. So she had a quite a glamorous life. And my dad did, had a tie shop and then he went into doing carpets. And I just was an only child for a very long time. Um, and my brother came along when I was eight, which I was overjoyed about, some company in the house. But my nan, my little nan brought us up quite a lot, my mum's mum, who wasn't the traveller side. And she gave me a lot of good values and stuff. And then I went into yeah. the industry at seven. And by the time I was nine, I was being abused quite heavily. Um, within the industry at workplaces. So this is like the late 70s, early 80s. and So when you say yeah. abuse, like abuse, sexually abused or mentally abused? Sexually or abused. But obviously being a, a, you know, a child, I'm used to playing with Barbies and I used to ride horses and do a lot of show jumping yeah. and stuff like that. Obviously being a gypsy girl. Um, but yeah, I, it was two so completely different lives. 
But my mum thought, you know, that she was doing what was best for me. And in a way, she was, because I loved to act and I loved singing and dancing and putting on shows and yeah. stuff. And it was great. But how do you tell your parents something like that's happening to you? Because, you know, I've always been taught and brought my children up to teach that, you know, nobody undresses you, you don't show anybody your bits and, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And then suddenly I'm in a job where you've got to quickly get changed out of stage and do different things. And, uh, you know, my poor little mum didn't realise, you know, that somebody would actually be touching her daughter yeah. and things like that would be going on. And so it went on for me for a long time and it went on for a lot of people I know for a very long time that have been a huge, huge key support network for me. Um, God, I feel like crying already. Yeah. Fucking no, it's, not, it's just... It's, it is what it is. And I, you know what? Through a lot, and I mean a lot of therapy, I mean, how many treatment centres have I been in? Bloody hell. You know, it's like I didn't face any of that. I just was looking at addiction, 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 addiction. Yeah. And it wasn't the addiction. Well, it is the addiction, the reason I got there. Let's not play that down. It's actually the past trauma that causes something that we want to numb. 100%. Um, for me, it was that. It was really that. And I didn't know because I was too young. Obviously, I wasn't in puberty. I, I didn't I didn't know any of these feelings. None of my friends at my school, my primary school and stuff, how do you speak about something like that? I didn't even know what sex was. I didn't know what yeah. sex was. Like, so did you, were. were you aware of it? My parents naked. I knew it was wrong. I knew it hurt. Yeah, I knew it was wrong. I knew it hurt. I knew it was, I felt so frightened and scared. I used to cry and sob and say, please don't do this to me. And it still used to carry on and carry on and carry on. And I used to come home and I was so excited about the job I'd done, but that excitement was gone and I felt nothing. So when it comes to being, I don't know, 16, 15, 16, 17, getting a boyfriend and all that falling in love and crushes and stuff, I felt nothing. So I used to just pretend that I did. So to all my friends locally in this area where I live in, like Epping, because I'm still very, very close friends to all my friends that I grew up with that didn't go to stage school. Um, when they were getting their first boyfriends, like serious and going on dates and stuff, I was doing the same. Yeah. But I was never, I was frigid. People used to say something, and I was always like, she's really frigid. Because I was so fearful of anybody putting their hands on do, me. Do you think you suppressed um, a lot of the pain that you went through as when you were younger through the sexual abuse? You suppressed it into your teenage years. Did you speak about it at all to anybody or did you keep it in? No, I, I spoke about it once to somebody and they told me to be quiet and go to work. Wow. And I think, yeah, yeah. No one's going to believe you anyway, so be quiet and go to work. Don't be ridiculous. That's never happened to you. And I do look at certain things and think, maybe did I ever get my job as a payoff? My first big break as a payoff. What, what do you mean as a payoff, as in? Like, as a, as a payoff to people that, you know, that have, that have done things to me. Wow. Was that like, you know, because there are a circle of people, but I yeah. don't, there is nobody that I've never met come across at the BBC. I've never come across anybody at the BBC that um, that I met as a child. So they've all, so they've all gone? They was never at the BBC. It never happened to me at the BBC, ever. It was everywhere else. It happened never at the BBC. The BBC was always very clean cut and, and very good. And I think really and truly, the BBC saved my life. Yeah. So you went through your teenage years in relation, in and out of relationships and you said you felt numb and you, you were frigid. Did this carry on into your adult life when you got into relationships? No, it didn't. In my, the time I got to my adult life, I was like... Well, in my, in my teenage years, all my friends had like slept with somebody and done something, and I was the last one really to yeah. do it. Surprise, surprise, and no one put me down as that. Um, <laughs> but because of abuse, it made me very frigid, this yeah. stuff. And so when people did get boyfriends and stuff, for me, 
I just didn't, I didn't feel anything like they did, but I pretended that I did. Yeah. I pretended to fit in with everybody else as you do to fit in with your mates. But my best friend, Ginny, knew near enough everything that had gone on in my life. And she used to say to me, listen, you don't ever have to do anything you don't want to do with anybody. And, and she still to this day is my best friend. He's around yeah. the corner. Um, she's crazy. <laughs> she's still my best mate. You know, they'd all feel things. And then when I got into relationships and I was, and I actively started sleeping, like with my first boyfriend, I felt nothing. Because for me, it was like, I put that experience down to going to work. Wow. So I used to just sort of feel nothing. But then, and then as I got older and addiction came into play, drugs and alcohol got introduced into yeah. my life again. Um, and I was drinking more and I was using more. For me, it was um, more of a case of like, uh, I used it as a tool to get yeah. what I wanted, if I'm honest. Okay. I used, the cleverer I got and the more savvy I got, I used that as a tool to get what I wanted. But do you think the drug and alcohol use definitely stemmed from the abuse you endured as a child? Do you oh, think it was a yeah, it was it was a numbing tool throughout your teenage years into your adult? Quieting us down and to use things. So I was yeah. probably using cocaine from an early age from nine, ten, eleven years old, using wow. drugs and alcohol. So, you know, but never at home. But my parents yeah. don't drink, really, very rarely. My mum might have a gin gin and tonic I don't know if we're out for a meal or something. My mum's not a drinker. I've never seen my mum and dad drinking indoors. See, my stepdad has a glass of red wine on a Sunday with See, a the same was for me. My mum, like, she never touched alcohol at all. But when my little girl passed away and she died, I went straight to alcohol. Yeah, I just yeah, remember sitting yeah. in and just drinking and drinking and drinking because it was an escapism. It was like a coping yeah. mechanism. But well, you go for what you know, one of the first oh, things you've ever used. 100%. So, so you're an adult now. You're you're in EastEnders. You're in the limelight even more. You're a public figure. Well, you've you've been a public mm-hmm. figure since you were younger, anyway. Talk to me about the correlation with the the drug and alcohol abuse with, whilst working on set. Like, how did that ha- how did that work? When I first got into EastEnders, um, I was with my first ever boyfriend, and then my next boyfriend was a guy called Nicky, and he was great, and I'm still friends to this day. Still lives around the corner, um, and he was a straight guy doesn't touch drugs or anything. So we'd go out and have, you know, drinks and stuff. We used to do a lot of normal things, yeah. go to concerts and just normal, really nice things. Is he barking at me? Just normal, really nice things. And, you know, and we talk about it today and he says, how did you go off the rails like that? I said, I don't know what happened. I just don't know what happened. I sort of had everything. And it, it was hard because, like, me and Ginny talk about it and she goes, you know what was crazy? It was like, you used to ring me and go, oh, I'm with George Michael at Sunset, so come up. She was like, well, I can't. I've got to go to college in the morning. You know, she's like, and, and she couldn't do the things I was doing and I'd, I'd be partying with people and, and doing stuff and I really wanted my friends to be part of it and they couldn't be. Yeah. Um, you know, and because they had normal jobs and normal lives and stuff like that. It's so funny, that dog, sorry. sorry. Um, yeah, and it, it was just hard. So I thought I, said, I just became really good friends with this clique of people yeah. in London doing whatever they were doing and, you know, and I, and I sort of just dropped on my, my friends in Essex. Not dropped them, but I didn't really see them as much. I weren't really, couldn't really be bothered to be going for a meal with the girls on a Saturday night because I was doing so much more exciting in my life. You know, yeah. it was really, was it more exciting? No, it was taking loads of coke and being in clubs yeah. in the West End and, and being around seedy people doing seedy things. Hence, I lost the boyfriend yeah. really fast. And I met Brian because of being in the same industry. And Brian hated cocaine as well, completely hates it. But then it was like, it was a big thing I didn't really know how to deal with. You know, it was a big deal back then. 
you know, I was like a big thing on EastEnders and he was a big thing in the pop world being in East 17 and, and that was huge. Yeah, that's why EastEnders was so great for me because it sort of saved my life yeah. in a way. And people say, oh, but did it because, you know, you became a bad drug addict. No, I didn't become a bad drug addict because of the fame and the pressure. I became a bad drug addict because of my past. Yeah. And abuse. People don't and understand that, though. All my crap mental health issues that I had. Yeah. Because when you get trauma, you, depending on what age you are, what trauma you get, you stop, parts of you stop growing at that age. So you still, like, parts of me were still, like, a 10-year-old child, mentally. In, in certain ways, and then parts of me were like a 14-year-old child or a 15-year-old child with certain traumas that I had. But how I think about things, and my kids always go, how you think about things sometimes is fucked up. When it is. <laughs> They're like, normal people don't think like you. And I'm like, mm, yeah, no, I know. And I wish I could. And as actually ever got older this time around in sobriety, I question my thought pattern a lot more. You know, and I speak to my therapist, Michelle, <clears throat> who's fantastic, and her and I Skype now once a month, but she unraveled everything for me. This is the last time I was in treatment. She was like, I said, listen, I've done, I know all about addiction. I could tell you the 12 steps inside out, upside down. I know how to work a program. I'm also an actress and a drug addict. I know how to get around every situation and play yeah. it for what it is. Let's face it, right? But I need to know why. And she's like, okay. And she did what you just did and went right the way back. Yeah. And we are, she was like, this is uncomfortable. So just go to the carousel that's going around in your head and pick a bag, pull it down, let's work on it. And that's exactly what I did. Uh, you know, every time we worked on a different subject until it was all the way through. But Daniela, um, when you when you pick at things from your childhood, do you get do you ever get flashbacks of certain things or is it completely blocked hugely, out of your head? Hugely. Yeah. Usually it blocked out for so long. But once I dealt with all the drug stuff, yeah, and all the addiction, and I understood my my triggers, my tools, my all of them things. Once I understood all of those things, and once I understood all the jargon that went with it, that's not jargon; it's there for a reason. Those sayings and those slogans are there for us to cope with the mechanisms yeah. for a reason. Um, and once I started opening my mouth in meetings and speaking and sharing yeah. as well, and doing what the program states is a very simple program to work with. Once I started doing what that states, um my recovery in my life became a hell of a lot easier. Because yeah. don't forget, I was clean for 14 years, but 14 years. I went to meetings and I never spoke. So I was like a dry drunk, dry yeah. drug addict. I was a like dry liner. Like, the only thing I wasn't doing was picking up. Yeah. But my, my actual actions were the same. Um, and today they still can be a little bit if I don't check myself. Yeah. You know, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, if I don't speak to my sponsor on a daily basis, if I don't write down... So... Talk me through your healing journey of where when you decided I need I need to heal now I need to start this the, I need to start the therapy the meditation where where did it begin for you when you just in your head went oh, I need to I need to sort something out but you realised um, that it was a lot of deep rooted trauma you know trauma is really rooted into your DNA your cells from when you're a little girl and you it's called really you know inner trauma. have you heard of inner child healing I get I have a yeah, lot of it yeah, yeah. yeah and it's so today. emotional because yeah, all you are yeah. is a little girl inside still. And, yeah, and I hated that. It used to yeah. make me cool. Yeah. My toes would grip the carpet, and I was so barriered up and so against it yeah. that I couldn't just let go. So, so you weren't welcoming it in, that means. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't welcome it. I was just like, no, no, no. And, that was, and that's also my addict going, no, 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 because that, that wants me to use. Yeah. Anything else that I can break down is going to push that addict further away. Yeah. 
So I was just going, oh, no, 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 I'm not listening to all this. This, this, to me, is BS. Yeah. I'm not listening to it. But it wasn't. And what made me really change a lot, and it took me a long time, it took me three, four years of a relapse, actually, to admit while I was relapsing, was my daughter stopped talking to me, my son fell out of me, my daughter didn't talk to me for five years. She just had enough. And I was like, now I need to heal. But in the process of needing to heal and to work on myself, I carried on using for three and a half years and caused a lot more pain to people. Um, not just myself, my family, my friends, people that love me, my kids. Um, and then I finally got it. And it was Jeremy Cole put me on a, put me into treatment. And I ended up, so I was meant to be there six weeks. I stayed there for four months. I hit it off with a, with a counsellor there, Michelle, and she just spoke to me. She was out of Islington, normal woman. She'd been through everything. She's a mum. She'd done similar things to me. She spoke my language. She didn't clock watch. And, she, and as today, she's still my therapist. She's fantastic. Wow. Um, she just got to me. She got to me, and she just broke down all the absolute crap, and she broke down all the showbiz, you know, guard that, yeah. that I've got up, and just said, Do you know what, Tina? No one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. But you, the only thing people give a shit about is actually you actually having a quality of life and living. Yeah. Your kids don't give a shit what you do for a living, or if you live in a, in a, live in one room or in a mansion, yeah. they just want their mum. Yeah. And I was like, never. Yeah, they're adults, and they're not talking to me, and they're not talking to you because you're a bitch. Yeah. Because you're actively in addiction, and because you're you're the way you behave and the way you speak to people, and how you fly off the handle is not right. It's not correct. Um. And so we went through that, and she said, "Why does that trigger that?" And I was like, "I don't know." She was like, well, what has happened to you? What gives you, what does that feeling make you think? And I'm like, well, when that happens to me, I just assume it's like being a child and being spoken to and I think this is going to happen. If someone speaks to me derogatory or da 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 da, da and starts yeah. telling me about that, I think then they're going to say to me, right, get in that room. And, did, and certain things, you said, but that's not going to happen today, so let's heal that and let's go back and put that back together and let's put that to yeah. bed. It's revisiting trauma constantly, though, and it's, it's so difficult. Revisiting trauma constantly is so draining mentally it is. and physically, um, but it's so healing. Yeah. Anybody that's going for it or anyone that's considering going for it, because a lot of people don't want to speak to the right authorities or speak to anybody about it because they just feel ashamed, do it. Do it because it changes everything in your life. It changes it. It takes time yeah. and it takes a lot of retraining yourself. Massive. But do you know what? You're not a victim. No. You're a warrior. And you yeah. don't have to wear a victim badge. You don't have to. Do you know what you don't have to do? You don't have to be the keeper of secrets anymore. Daniela, I'm in awe of you. I can't literally. Like I'm in awe yeah. of you. No, because I, I don't. Like I'm quite a strong person, and I don't get broken down easily. I've spoken to quite a few people, but with you, I'm just so fixated on your journey and what you've gone through. And I don't think anyone has a fucking clue where it all started and where your trauma began as a child and well, why addiction right. starts yeah. and how it happens. I think people need to educate themselves a lot more they on trauma. Also, people need to educate themselves on their family members and people around them. Yeah, because people have gone a million through, percent. A lot of people have gone through so much stuff. Yeah. So much similar things to what we have. Or, or, you know, whether yours yeah. be through your mum's cancer or something. It's trauma. Yeah. Somebody's parent leaving, somebody losing a grandparent at an early age, suddenly in a car crash or something that somebody they were very close to that they looked at as a peer is trauma. Definitely. And I know with, with my ex, he only just recently got sent to jail. And when he used to like... So did mine. Really? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> when, I, when I started dating guys again, I'd, they'd be a little bit not rough with me. I'd be like, oh my God, stop. And that PTSD would yeah. kick in again and again. Yeah. And I had to... 
I had to go back to where it began and why this happened and people don't really get it unless they've gone through it and they don't spend the they don't care of the time to crank or a drama queen or this or that. and yeah. then you feel ashamed to be you yeah a million and that's percent. where my my stoniness comes from yeah. with and my rudeness comes from with things you, because i got to the point where i was just sick of trying to explain myself so i just became rude yeah no i hear you i hear you you're rude and i can feel myself doing it and it's not it's just not nice so for those that are listening what has got you through your battles, like the tools that could be the therapy? Honesty. Honesty, wow. On a daily basis, honesty. Even to the other day that I was in a bad mood about something, Jodie went to me, you know what, when you get up, because we've only just started living together again. Yeah. And like, when you get up, if you're on a shit day, just say, listen, I'm having a bit of a bad day today, people yeah. just back off me a little bit, I'm not myself. So then we all know to go, do you know what, mum's not great today, because she'll do it, she'll go, I'm feeling like a bit crabby today, and we all go, oh, yeah. Jodie today, and Kai's the same, and everyone, <laughs> my mum, everyone's the same, just being honest of each other and speaking, not holding resentment, speaking. Yeah. Um, not feeling ashamed to get to get help yeah. stuff. You know, and, and don't be the keeper of other people's secrets. You've held on to it long enough. It doesn't mean you've got to go out there and grass everybody up. It just means go and seek some yeah. professional help. Um, you know, there's there's stuff online that's free where you can speak to people. You don't have to pay for it. You can speak to somebody you're never gonna see again. Um, you know, no one's ever gonna judge you on that. And just free yourself. Because it's a Free bottling yourself. up. It, it leads to suddenly an explosion. And that's where yeah. people go wrong. And then people either commit suicide yeah. or there's something else or something else. And they just feel like a freak, like they don't fit in in society. Even to the point last night, I was talking to a guy online last night on my Twitter, funny enough, about anti-bullying. He's been bullied all his life at school and he works in a hospital now. And he won't mind because he wrote it openly on my Twitter. Uh, uh, so it's there. And he's partially deaf. Um and he, he's partially blind as well. And he said, I've never had a girlfriend. This, this, and this. I feel so ashamed. He works in a hospital. So now everybody wearing masks, he can't lip read as well. Yeah. So I just feel so ashamed. And I was like, why? Why do you feel ashamed? I said, everybody, everybody just, you know, I'm 100% grateful for your presence. I said, you're going to work every day in a tough job as it is, let alone in a pandemic. Um, don't be ashamed of who you are. You're a wonderful person. And you're obviously still very selfless because you're going to work in a hospital during these times and you're thinking of others still first. Just for me, honesty is a big deal. Get honest with yourself. Yep. You know, get honest with yourself. That's number one. If you're in denial, you're not believing you. Exactly. You can't be honest to others. And, you know, if you're you're on taking drugs or drink, for example, I know how easy that is to do. Because after 14 years of recovery, it took me seven years into a 14-year recovery to say I would never touch a drink or drug. I was that petrified. Is By the way, is do, do you do you feel like the drink leads to the drugs? Is it when, when, when you have a few drinks? drinks? No, not for no. me, because I could just take drugs on a daily basis with no alcohol, because okay, I was what they would call a dry line, or I'd just take drugs. Yeah. Um, everybody's different. Yeah. But a lot of my friends say, oh, God, when I've had a drink, that just goes hand in hand, and that's what I want to drink. When I'm around you, I'm like, well, you can do whatever you want because I have a decision in my choice in my life today to say yes or no and yeah. to leave. Yeah. You know, no is the most powerful word we can use and should not be scared to say it at all. Just yeah. no. No, not for me. No, thank you. You don't have to be rude yeah. about it. Just no and leave. You know, um, safety first, always. Boundaries and, and safety. Boundaries and safety is big, is paramount. Honesty with yourself is paramount. Um you know, not every meeting you go to is going to be right for you if you're in a fellowship. Not every therapist you try is going to be right yeah. for you. I should not have been for about 15 of them. Same. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had, I've had, it took a lot to get to somebody. Yeah. I'm going to introduce Michelle, your lover. 
<laughs> to somebody that you'll like, you know, that, that that actually has empathy, that's not sitting there going, mm, like looking down on you and feeling sorry yeah. for you, or, you know, just somebody that just lets you work it out yourself a little bit, because that's what therapy is. Definitely. You speak, you work it out yourself yeah. if you get right? Yeah. It's coming to that. And then you sit at home and you start self-therapy. You do that for yourself. Yeah. Because you then start researching things. You find what works for you. For me, yoga works for me a lot. I, I love it. yoga. I haven't done it in a while. Yeah. But it's... I haven't done it in a long while, but it's a big thing for me. I wanted to go off to India and do a retreat for a month and do a oh, course on yoga. You, you should, honestly. You, you, I feel like I'm getting a lot of Zen vibes off of you. So you've got the meditation. Yeah, You're very similar yeah. to me. The yoga, the, the kind of the peace of mind, the frequency music. The universe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. I knew it. <laughs> oh, God. There we go. Incense oils. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jody's got all her little oils and that that burn and stuff in the house. We do a bit, but not in a hippy jippy way. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 We're just like our candles and our different bits. But we like nice, you know, we but like. How, we like to get cozy. How indoors. nice that you, you're aware of what makes you feel peaceful, what makes you feel better and calm, what works for you. So for anyone listening to this, Daniela's gone and she's gone through everything that she has gone through, but she's now in a place where she knows she has to implement routine, right? So you're implementing yeah. stability, routine, nighttime, your schedule. And I think it's so important. It is very important. It's hugely important to me. It's hugely important to me. I mean, for me, it's like... I mean, the kids, are, Jodie are too, she lives with me, it's like, I say to my mum, I'm going to go indoors, I'm going to go in there for a minute, I'm just going to have an hour, I just need to do a meeting, because we have meetings online now, Zoom. Yeah. Or I'll go a bit early and I'll put meditation and that on, I'll do my thing. So, you know, and everybody does their own, you know, yeah. all of us in our family, we all do our own thing, you know, and it's cool. It's, it's just, it's nice to be that way, but, you know, it's a shame my kids have gone through so much. At such a young age, and I actually technically had to become carers for me, and yeah. I also had to see me out there in the world for another three, four years instead of getting it fucking together the minute they decided but to. Do stop you know what? Though you can't blame yourself for anything that's happened because if you blame, I don't, I don't, don't, I don't ever blame yourself because yeah. you can't. I had I saw this quote: you you have to forgive yourself for things that you didn't understand at the time of doing something. You know, you know what, it's part of the step works as well as we make amends. Yeah, we make amends when we're ready to make amends. Not. Not when it's good for us, when it's good for the other person. Not yeah. just because we're on that page. Is it, you yeah. know, when I say we're on that page, someone has to follow us. We make amends with that person and they accept it or they don't accept yeah. it. And whatever their decision is, is final. Um, and we have, we have to accept that. We can't push it. And then we carry on building bridges and uh, on a daily basis. And yeah. actions do speak louder than words. Actions are everything. Yeah. And, and just growing. I mean, my family love me. They don't want me to keep saying sorry. They just want to see me grow into the person that I was meant to be. Yeah. And be happy. You know, I did, like I said, I did 14 years clean, seven years into it, I could have told you I'd never touch another drug. Within, within, I don't know, days of knowing that my marriage was, it was on its way to breaking down, I was drinking, drinking before I even left, left my husband. So, you know, I, I, and he can't be blamed for anything. It was me. Yeah. So, where, Daniela, where, where are you at now? Where, where's your mindset at now? How do you feel about yourself Today, and you as a person? Right now. <laughs> right now, this second. Do you know what? I'm in a really good place. Good, good. You know, I get on well with both my kids. You know, really well with both my kids. They both tell me exactly what I need to be doing and when I need to be doing it. <laughs> good. Oh, my life. I need so, one of them. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? They, I get on well with both and They've both got great lives. I'm hugely proud of the pair of them. They're both very, very different, um, which is the way I brought them up just to be yeah. them. Um, but they've, you know, they've just, I'm, I'm in a great place. I'm good. in a good place. Work-wise, I don't know. 
Um, there's certain things I would like to be doing. I'd like to go and work on a completely different soap. Do you know? Do you know really what I can see you doing? You you would be so no. good at helping other people with what you've gone through. Like instantly, like be that light to people that well, have, have suffered. I do a lot. Of, I do a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, as well. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of stuff like that as well. I'm looking at doing stuff like that. I'm doing an online therapy course over two wow, years. Okay, amazing. Yeah, but that mostly is for addicts and alcoholics and children or family members of um, yeah. people that breathed lost people to addiction um, and alcoholism. But that's something I'd like to give away. Yeah. You know, so I'd like to be able to go and work on, say, like on an Emmerdale or something like that, yeah. but uh, in my own time, be able to, to help people yeah. for free because I just think it, there's a lot of people out there that just are doing it, but people can't afford it. No, so you know? true. And I just think it's so nice to do that. And I'd like to go on a platform and, and public speaking. Yeah. As well, Definitely. empowerment. Empowerment speaking is something else I'd love to do. Yeah, you should. Honestly, yeah. I can I can see a book and like a book tour with you and talking about it because you're so well spoken and you you're so certain with what you say as well. Like it, it comes from such a place of of real it, and so, and it comes from your heart. And I think that when people are trolling and bullying and taking the piss, I can't stand it because I hope once they listen to this, they can they can hear it. And it, it honestly, it's just overwhelming for me to hear because comes from a place of pure love with you listen we all judge people we're all armchair judges yeah watching the football with a ref or with it you know with a manager we're watching the boxing we think we could do a better job we can't you know all of those things we'll sit there and go oh my god that looks terrible on her we all do it yeah we all do it from our sofa we're all like that but we don't have to publicly put it out there we don't have to publicly poke fun at people and do things we should build people up and uh, you know what Denise Walsh is somebody I really admire because Denise when she's having a bad time love with her with her mental health goes online with tears and crying and brings it out and she just shows people it's this is real yeah I'm in trouble today and she's not doing it for attention or press or media and you're always going to get people to say that and be horrible yeah. well in you I'm saying that she's actually doing it to say I'm in trouble today and I love that about her because I love I love her. I've got a lot of strength from Denise because watching her, it means it's okay not to be okay sometimes. Yeah, definitely. You know. So Daniela, yeah. I'm going to ask you right. What is your battle cry? So what is your mantra to get you through your darkest days? It could be any quote, anything. What what sticks with you and resonates with you? Do you know what? Someone sent me a jumper the other day for my mental health, and it says on it, "Underestimate me, that'll be fun." Ah, I like that. Because that's me. That's it's like, underestimate me. Watch me come back. Yeah, I like Watch that. Watch me come back. And when I'm having a really bad day, I just go, come on, Westbrook, come on. Yeah. What are you doing? Get your crap together. Get your shit together, girl. You know? It's like sometimes you have to take a deep breath and remember who you yeah. are. God, I feel like I've learned a lot from you today. Bloody hell. I feel like I've just had therapy with you, honestly. You are so powerful and you are so worthy of everything coming your way, Daniela. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Honestly, you're a star. Oh, don't. Same to you. Lots of love. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Battles. If you've been affected by anything you have heard in the show, you can find links to support services in the description. Please subscribe to the show and leave us a review too. It makes all the difference. 
Battles is a Studio 71 production and is hosted by me, Marlon Anderson. I'll see you next time. <laughs>